welcome to the Denali Lord Nutrition and Wellness Podcast. My name is Denali Lord. I'm a registered dietitian, mindset coach, and fitness professional. I'm also the author and host of this podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. So we're on week four of our foundations. So far, we've talked about exercise 101, nutrition 101, mindset 101, and this week is sleep 101. I saved sleep for last because arguably it could be the most important thing you do or don't do. (laughs) A lot of us, including yours truly, often shortchange ourselves in sleep. If you could think of sleep as a currency, it's an energy currency. It's the equivalence of money. It is essentially what allows our body to perform at an optimal level. So the more sleep we get, the more optimally we can perform. Just like the more money that we make or the more money that we save, the more money that we potentially have to spend or invest. So if you look at sleep as a currency, it is your energy currency for being able to not only save for a rainy day, but to also have the spending power to buy what you really want. It's like looking at your dream car, whether that's a Corvette or a Tesla or a truck, think about your dream car. We all have one. And to be able to afford that dream car, not only do we have the money saved, but we've also probably done some budgeting or maybe it's an impulse buy. But if we don't have enough money to not only purchase the car, but maintain it, it can lead to a very bad situation. Just like if we don't get enough sleep over time, this can put us into a great uh, deficit of not only energy, but it can just overall kind of take away from our quality of life. It can make us sick. Sleep is huge. So anyway, I'm not here to lecture you today about why sleep is so important. Well, maybe I am not lecture, but inform you why sleep is so important because quite frankly, we cannot function without it. If you've ever had a night where you were up all night, you didn't sleep, maybe you were ill, or maybe you were taking care of someone else, or maybe there was some kind of traumatic event going on. There was a fire, there was a storm, or there was some domestic violence. You know how terrible you feel the rest of the day. It's awful. And you might even feel awful for a few days afterwards, right? It, it takes a while to regain a normal feeling after not sleeping for just one night. And then if you compound that over weeks, over months, over years, well, dear friend, you probably feel like complete and utter garbage as it would be expected. So I'm here today. If you've had trouble sleeping, whether this is a more recent thing or whether it's a long-term thing to help you get back on track. And I have struggled with sleep issues really my whole life. There are two main periods of time where I really struggled with them. When I was in my mid-20s, I was um, 
finishing up part of graduate school. I was going through a relationship that wasn't working well at the time and I struggled with insomnia. I basically didn't sleep for what felt like an entire year. I probably got some quality sleep, it just wasn't great. But there were a lot of nights where I might've gotten an hour or two of sleep. Some of you can relate to that or some of you can relate to maybe you're normally you're sleeping well, but you, maybe you just had a baby or maybe you're taking care of a loved one who lives with you or maybe you're in an abusive relationship. The other time in my life was in my early 30s when I was in an abusive relationship and I wasn't sure what the heck was going to happen. If I was going to be locked out, if I was going to wake up and there would be some kind of weapon in the bed with me. So it's imperative that if this is the case, I encourage you seek help, seek help. If you just had a baby, seek help, ask your partner or your spouse or ask a friend or a relative to help you. If you are in a situation of domestic violence, let's start working to get you that exit strategy and exit plan. I do have a couple of episodes on environmental health, part of the self-love series, um, and also just part of taking care of you. So you can go back and reference those episodes that are earlier on. All right, guys, so let's dive into things. Sleep. Well, sleep, in short, it is a period of rest. It is a period of rejuvenation. There are different types of sleep. There's REM sleep and there's non-REM sleep. Rapid eye movement sleep. Non-REM sleep means that we don't have that rapid eye movement. So let's kind of dive in and talk more about the science of sleep. There's actually four stages of sleep that we need to have happen in order to get good quality sleep. And don't worry, later on in this episode, we're going to talk about tips that you can use to help you get that good quality sleep. I mentioned just a minute ago, there are four stages to sleep. So the first stage is called transitional sleep. And this is usually for the first few minutes of your sleep. It's basically where you go from being awake to in a light state of sleep. About transitional sleep is that it's hard to pinpoint exactly when we fall asleep. Now, sometimes we remember it. Sometimes we're just out like a light, right? You come, you are so tired, you come home, you literally crash on your pillow. But during this time of transition, you're kind of starting to nod off. Maybe you're doing something. Maybe you're watching a movie or you're sitting in a classroom or you're at work or whatever it is. And you're just starting to nod off. And so this, at this point in time, it's usually somewhere from five to maybe 10 minutes. We're starting to get sleepy. We're starting to realize we're not fully on. We're not fully conscious. Stage of sleep is called light sleep. And light sleep normally happens somewhere from 10 to about 25 minutes into our sleep cycle, which our sleep cycles, by the way, are about eight hours long. So your muscles start to relax, your heart rate starts to drop, and your body temperature also starts to drop as well. Sleep. There are 
different neural patterns that actually help us to one, stay asleep and two, stop us from being woken up. So think about a car that drives down the road late at night that's really loud or think about if you have other people that live with you, someone shutting a door, turning on a light. This is your body's, it's almost a defense mechanism, if you will, of being able to protect you while you sleep. It's keeping you asleep. Deep sleep, or could also be known as our slow wave sleep, it has more of a very deep, very slow wavelength. And we're gonna talk about the types of wavelengths here in just a minute. Deep sleep doesn't always last that long. For some, it's as short as 20 minutes. For other people, it might be an hour. If you're able to get more than that, that's awesome. <laughs> Please share us your secrets. But as we start to age, deep sleep is the phase of our sleep that gets the most affected. And that has a lot to do with our hormones, okay? And that is why as you age in general, you do not sleep as well as when you are younger. So it is just part of aging, but again, there are things to help you increase that time that you spend in your deep sleep. Deep sleep is critical because this is when our blood pressure can start to come back to a normal level or for folks with high blood pressure, it decreases significantly. Breathing slows, but most importantly, tissue repair occurs in deep sleep. So for all of my bodybuilders, my athletes, or just anyone who wants to take better care of their bodies, that's all of us, right? We're all athletes. We have to be able to repair those tissues. These are things like muscles that you're rebuilding. This is also your brain. Think of your brain as a very complex, very sophisticated computer. You have to do those updates. If you don't do the updates, your shit is gonna run slow and you are gonna be more subject to viruses and things just malfunctioning and or shutting down. Sound familiar? We gotta update it, which means we have to sleep. That is how we update our brain's ability to reprogram and heal the body. Think about being sick. If you've got the flu, you can't get better unless you rest. And part of that is getting that deep, deep sleep. If you think about taking cold medicine, I'm thinking like NyQuil, literally the expression lights out. I think that's even in their advertisements. You are lights out. So having that ability to get into your deep sleep is important, but it does start to go down as far as the duration that we spend in deep sleep. The fourth stage. The fourth stage is where we're going to have rapid eye movement or REM, R-E-M. So REM sleep is one of the most prized stages of sleep. It's where you're going to have vivid dreams. You might even have muscle twitches and rapid eye movement to accompany those fast twitch muscles. So normally you have at least one cycle of REM sleep if you have healthy sleeping habits, which we're gonna talk about this. So your first REM cycle is going to be somewhere about an hour, 
maybe an hour and a half after you fall asleep. Again, it just depends on how long it takes you to get into that transitional state of sleep. So REM sleep is sometimes why you remember your dreams if you wake up in the early or mid-morning and then you go back to sleep. Or if your sleep cycle's altered, sometimes you can wake up and remember your sleep. And that tends to leave you feeling groggy. You tend to feel a little out of it, like, whoa, I don't know what just happened. Normal stage of sleep is somewhere from 80 to 100 minutes long, okay, during that first cycle. And then all the non-REM sleep and everything combined together is about 90 minutes long. These are the, your remaining sleep cycles that you have afterwards. So if you wake up at the end of a cycle, especially a REM cycle, sometimes you feel sluggish. And this is why sometimes it can just be harder to wake up. It is important to note that individual sleep cycles vary. Some of them are as short as an hour and some of them are as long as almost 120 minutes, which is two hours. So it just depends on our sleep hygiene. Just like we have hygiene for our teeth, for our body, we need sleep hygiene. You can think of it as brain hygiene. We need it. It's so good for us. Important to note that the information I'm giving you is based on about eight hours of continuous sleep. Some people are prone to waking up in the middle of the night and they're able to go back to sleep pretty quickly. Say you have to get up to go to the bathroom or there's just a fire alarm or something goes off. That's obviously going to wake you up. How could you possibly sleep through that, right? Um, if you are, let's talk. There might be something else going on. But being able to fall asleep rapidly within less than five minutes after you realize everything's okay is important as well because that means hormonally our hormones are in balance and they are allowing us to settle down type of waves that you have so the first type of waves that we have are beta waves they're waves that were in that occur when we are awake so think about you're climbing into bed you're getting your pillows all propped up maybe you're reading a book maybe you're just getting done looking at your phone. I hope not. We're going to talk more about that later. And you've turned out the lights. So you're still awake, but you're trying to calm yourself down so that you can go to bed. So it is important to note that one theory of insomnia actually suggests that individuals who struggle with insomnia have higher levels of beta waves because they either have difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep. And we're going to talk more about this in just a minute. So deep relaxation. We can think of this as that light sleep. Once the lights are out, it's been, you know, somewhere between 10 and 25 minutes. You start to close your eyes. You sink into your soft cushiony pillow. You take a sigh. You're not fully asleep. So this would be more of that transitional sleep, but your brain is now making alpha waves waves these are going to be the first few minutes i think i said 10 to 25 minutes but we're not quite to that stage yet so disregard that statement but 
This is the first few minutes of sleep. This is our transitional sleep. So alpha waves do allow you to be somewhat responsive to outside stimuli. Again, we have different types of neurological patterns that help to prevent us from being woken up. But if we've had a particularly stressful day where we are overstimulated, it can make it harder to get out of this transitional sleep. This is also another reason why we should limit our screen time, whether that's a computer, a phone, a TV, an iPad, a whatever, at least one hour before bed because the more stimuli we have from blue light sources, the longer it keeps us in this alpha wave or transitional sleep state. Deep sleep. So <clears throat> deep sleep involves delta waves. This is now at the 10 to 25 minute mark when we now are asleep. We don't know when that point in time exactly happens, but any kind of outside noise is not waking us up. So delta waves, you can think of these like rolling waves. If you look at an ocean or at a sea, those waves are just rolling. There's a top and there's a bottom, but they are continually moving up from the top down to the bottom and then back up. So delta waves are very synchronized. They're on the slower side and delta waves are a good sign that we can hopefully now shift into the later waves called theta waves. Theta waves are when we are dreaming. So now that we're sleeping soundly, it's been at least 25 minutes. Our brain tends to kind of play out different scenarios. Whatever our subconscious has been processing, maybe it's some of our fears, maybe it's a fantasy, who knows? So this is dreaming. So theta waves are the predominant wave, although there's still some delta waves. So theta waves can actually even be present in lighter sleep, but this is the main type of wave during dreaming. Of theta waves also determine how well we remember our dreams. So again, if you wake up and you're like, I remember that dream, how is that even possible? You might've had more theta waves occurring at the time of your dream than you did the delta waves. Crazy. After that, in order to get to the REM cycle, this is a deep sleep that we are there, again, somewhere between 80 and 110 minutes for most people. Some people it can be as short as 60 minutes and some people it can be as long as 110 to 120 minutes depending upon their sleep hygiene. The better the sleep hygiene, usually the longer we're going to sleep and the better we are going to sleep. Understand why we need sleep, why we need good quality sleep. And just in general, a very highlighted version of how sleep works. Let's talk about factors that can impede your sleep. The biggest contribution, which is also the easiest thing we can fix, of factors that control and impact our sleep are electronic devices. TV, computers, iPad, Kindle, your cell phone. We are all guilty of staying up and aimlessly scrolling, thinking that we're doing ourselves a favor by winding down when in actuality, 
all those blue waves are just continually producing our alpha waves, which amp us up and keep us in that transitional state of sleep where you're still kind of, you're not quite fully awake, but you're not as asleep as you'd like to be. You can notice everything, right? Like the weight of your comforter, or if something's itching you or bothering you and you're like, oh, the temperature is too hot. So it's a critical point. And the more alpha waves we have, this can actually lead to insomnia. This was mentioned just a few minutes ago. So if you've struggled with insomnia, especially when it comes to falling asleep, one of the easiest things you can do is not look at an electronic device one to even up to three hours before you go to bed. And I know that may not be physically possible to go as long as three hours without looking at a device. Maybe that's your work shift, but look at it this way. Any time that you can spend away from a blue light source is better, right? Even if it's something as simple as you stop looking at your phone 10 minutes before you go to bed, you're giving yourself 10 minutes to decompress from those blue lights. The blue light acts almost as an artificial sunlight. With sunlight, we naturally wake up. Blue light though, is this false sunlight where it signals to our brain, hey brain, be alert, be active, be awake, when our body really wants to wind down and go to bed. The wired but tired sensation where our brain is on, it's alert, it's active, but our body is physically drained, this is exactly what the blue light scenario plays to. So another tip that can help you have deep sleep, sleeping better, sleeping longer, and waking up with fewer interruptions, make your room as dark as you possibly can. In my house, I have blinds that are blackout proof, and then I also have shutters over those blinds because I am very light sensitive. Other things you can do to help keep it dark is put blankets over your curtain rod. You can use things like um, blackout boards or blackout tape. You can also wear a mask. The mask is probably gonna be the easiest and the least expensive. Another big factor of our sleep quality is how cool a room is. Research show shows that when a room is between 65 and 68 degrees Fahrenheit, we sleep the best. Every person is slightly different. I know for me personally, once I start to get over 68 degrees Fahrenheit, it feels really hot. It doesn't matter the season, whether it's winter or whether it's summer, it's very warm. Even if I have a window open, some of us, we don't have windows or we can't physically open the window because there's a really busy road or if you live downtown in a city, there's no way you could leave your window open. It would be not only extremely noisy, but you would have other lights and other things impeding that dark room. Another factor that can help you improve the quality of your sleep and stay asleep longer is the cleanliness of your room. If you're using your room as a laundry deposit, whether it's clean or dirty, and you have laundry scattered about everywhere, and your room is in a total state of disarray, 
it's really hard for your brain to compartmentalize sleep with everything else going on in the room. So take 10 to 15 minutes, just pick up your room, put your laundry away, give it a good dusting, a good vacuum or a good sweep and start to prioritize your sleeping space. Make it clean, make it tidy. A lot of studies show that people that sleep with a clean and tidy room in general have better health hygiene habits, particularly sleep. Another indicator of getting better quality sleep, and this does kind of go hand in hand with electronic devices and not looking at your phone, but it's use a non-electronic device for your alarm. Now I know, especially Apple in particular, they have made the alarm a much easier app or area of your phone to get to. They have made the flashlight a key feature. But when we use our phone in the middle of the night to check the time, to use it as a flashlight, guess what we're doing? We're waking up our brains again and we're making it harder for us to go back into that deep sleep or to get to REM sleep. So if you use something like an old fashioned alarm, buy one of those alarm clocks. It can still be digital. You can still take a towel or something to cover the time. And then if you absolutely need to, you can lift it up and you can double check your alarm. But being able to not look at your phone will help calm the brain down and will help you to be able to sleep deeper. I know when I stopped using my phone as an alarm and I started using an alarm clock, I have a digital alarm clock. In fact, I have two, I always set two alarms, one about five minutes before the other one is gonna go off, just as a backup, because things happen. Things can also happen with your phone. How many times have you, I can tell you this has happened with me, I've set an alarm on my phone, laid my phone down beside me, and then not realize what I was doing in my sleep, I accidentally undid my alarm on my phone. So if you absolutely have to have your phone, there's no way that's gonna change, okay. I won't, I won't pick that issue with you, but at least keep it away from you, at least one to two arm lengths away so you're not likely to accidentally undo your alarm, right? That totally defeats the purpose things and it still doesn't work. There could be other issues going on. You could have a thyroid issue. Sometimes hypothyroidism or hyperthyroidism can affect sleep. There's other hormonal issues like pregnancy or po being postpartum. There are issues such as overtraining. If you are overtraining and you cannot bring your heart rate down, your sleep will not be good because you're going to have so many alpha ways that your body is producing with all the cortisol that produces poor quality sleep. If you have an altered sleep pattern, meaning that you work overnight shifts, say you're in the healthcare industry, or maybe you have some type of shift that requires a lot of manual labor, this can do a lot of um, I don't want to say damage, but it can greatly impact your sleep schedule. And so it will take time. Know that altering and adjusting any kind of schedule, but especially your sleep, it just takes time. And it takes that consistency and repetition of continually trying to tweak things. Nothing is perfect, but just keeping that open mind of, okay, I'm going to try this tonight. 
Other things that can help with good quality sleep is what we eat. Of course, if we're eating things that have a lot of fat in them or things that have a lot of caffeine in them, the high fat can make us have acid reflux. The caffeine can obviously keep us awake and keep our brain stimulated. Spicy foods, whether they're temperature hot spicy or just very flavorful, they can impact people in different ways. Pepper, right? Pepper is not particularly spicy, although it is a spice and it is something that could potentially keep someone awake. So being mindful about what and when you eat, I recommend eating three to four hours before you go to bed. If you've had something like throat cancer or a throat surgery, where you have to be very particular about the angle and the degree that you position your head in relation to your chest, you might need to eat five or six hours before you go to bed and have a small bedtime snack a couple of hours before. I don't recommend going to bed on an empty stomach. So if you skip dinner and you feel your tummy rumbling, those hormones, cortisol in particular, is going to keep you awake until you feed yourself something. So if you find that you are normally hungry before you go to bed, eat a very small serving of something that has low fat, high protein, as well as complex carbohydrates. One of my personal favorite bedtime snacks is low fat yogurt with a little bit of fruit and a little bit of granola. The higher carbohydrate concentration will help keep you fuller longer, but it also gives your brain kind of that feel good carbohydrate high vibe where you naturally get sleepy. That's just what carbs do. So being able to eat something with just a little bit of fat, high protein and complex carbs will help keep us full, happy, and make us sleepy, which is what we want at night. Another strategy for starting to improve your sleep is taking supplements like Fish oil at the beginning of the day, note beginning of the day, take it earlier. These take a while to digest. If you're taking them late at night, those fish oil supplements are often the size of horse pills and they take a long time for our body to digest. So if you're taking this even a couple of hours before you go to bed, you might wake up with acid reflux. So make sure you take larger supplements or supplements that contain fat as early in the day as you can. The other thing that I like to take is melatonin or a more natural supplement, magnesium, which we're actually more oftentimes deficient in than we think, and valerian root. Even if you need to take a medication that focuses on sleep, talk with your doctor and make sure that it works with you. Things like anxiety medications and depression medications can actually sometimes cause insomnia. I know it sounds weird and a little counterintuitive, but it is important that you just communicate with your doctor if you are taking a anti-anxiety or an anti-depression medication or a combination of them to make sure that you're getting the best quality sleep. Making sure that if you are taking your sleeping medication that you can dedicate eight hours to your sleep, at least eight hours. If you're not able to, taking that when say you can only get five or six could actually put you and other people at risk. Think about that groggy, foggy-headed feeling. Some of those prescribed sleep medications are very strong. 
And you don't want to wake up and be groggy and driving while you're still very tired and under the influence of this medication. So just make sure that ethically you can commit to that eight hours of sleep. Foods, foods that you can naturally eat in order to improve your sleep. Better quality foods that help with sleep include fatty fish. Think about tuna, mackerel, halibut. These are fish that help support brain health. The better brain health we have in combination with healthy, deep, adequate sleep produces an overall better health. So taking your fish supplement either early in the morning or eating two to four servings of these fish each week. Food that can help you fall asleep and stay asleep more quickly is turkey. Turkey contains the amino acid L-tryptophan and L-tryptophan is important because it helps us build our muscles and also helps us to make melatonin and serotonin. Melatonin regulates our sleep-wake cycle and serotonin helps regulate our sleep, our mood, and our appetite, which can coincidentally all go hand in hand. So it's very important that we do have a diet that's adequate in tryptophan. And turkey is one of the main sources of tryptophan. Other foods that are shown to help produce better quality sleep include nuts like almonds and walnuts. These are fatty acids that are more complex and lengthy in nature, but the benefit to it is they help produce the deep sleep. More liquid type food is chamomile tea. Now, although this doesn't really provide any calories, the chamomile will actually help reduce inflammation and it also helps reduce anxiety and depression and improve your sweet quality. So chamomile tea contains angipian, and this is an antioxidant that tells our brain to basically go to sleep and helps reduce or prevent insomnia. So having a nightly glass of or cup of chamomile tea, whether you choose to have it iced or hot probably, um, is something that you could do to create good sleep hygiene habits. Episode by talking a little bit more about creating good sleep hygiene habits. And we've already kind of dis discussed this a little bit. We've talked about keeping the room dark and cold, not looking at electronic devices, taking any kind of supplement that could cause indigestion or eating foods that, especially fatty foods or spicy foods, earlier rather than later. So just being aware of that. But we can also pay attention to when we are exercising. If you are prone to working out late at night, I encourage you to try to shift that. Even if it's as a small shift as an hour to two hours, the earlier you work out, the more natural you're getting into your circadian rhythm, which our circadian rhythm is just our natural biorhythm. We are by design more sensitive to light earlier in the day and we struggle with light sources 
later in the night or in the middle of the night. That's not the way that our body was designed. So the earlier you can work out, the better. That is why doing some forms of exercise first thing when you get up is really best. Now with that being said, hormone levels. Individuals that have a shifted or altered hormonal pattern oftentimes have an altered or shifted sleep schedule. For example, think about healthcare workers or a paramedic or a firefighter that works overnight shifts. Their hormonal schedule is shifted. They do not have a normal schedule or a normal biorhythm. Their whole circadian rhythm has been shifted. And so in order to get it back on track without just completely changing your work schedule, being able to regulate your hormones and have them tested, get your thyroid tested, get your cortisol levels tested. These are important as these can indicate whether or not your sleep habits are of good quality. So just like you have an alarm to get up, set a bedtime alarm. So going back to our old fashioned alarm clock, set it, start with, if you need, maybe two hours before you're going to bed or the more fine tuned you start to become, set it 30 minutes before you go to bed. I encourage you to set your timer earlier so that you can take the, all the time you need to help wind down. Some people it does take longer for them to wind down because they do have that hormonal imbalance. And so it's important to just slow things down and give yourself that time. It would be impractical and impossible to go from being awake, cranking out an essay to end REM sleep within five minutes. That's just not going to happen. So we need to start that wind down process sooner. And who knows, you might even find that you fall asleep and then you wake up and, oh, the light's on. I actually fell asleep earlier than I thought I was going to. That's a good thing. We can start to adjust the amount of time that you need to make it shorter or longer if you need as you continue developing those sleep hygiene habits. The last thing I'm gonna leave you with for your sleep hygiene habits, get as much sunlight as you can earlier in the day. So if you can be outside for as little as 15 minutes in the morning, first thing, your body will naturally produce more levels of serotonin or feel good, and it will help you feel more energized, more alert during the day, and it will help you wind down more easily at night. It kind of goes hand in hand with working out. If you're working out late at night or some, for some people, even in the afternoon, um, I do encourage you if you are a big cardio person, be careful with the types of cardio that you're doing first thing in the morning. Our cortisol levels in a normal hormonal response are highest in the mornings. So if you are doing a lot of cardio first thing in the morning and it's really intense and that's just adding to that already high cortisol level. So I encourage you, my endurance junkies, my hit folks, if you can do your more intense cardio mid morning, this gives your adrenals a chance to just slow down a little bit and calm down. It allows for cortisol to naturally taper off. Otherwise, if you already have high cortisol levels in the morning and then you're working on top of that, you're gonna have a really big spike and then somewhere around later morning or lunch, you're gonna have a big drop, especially after you eat lunch. You're gonna have a big fall. You're gonna be like, okay, I need a nap now. 
And that is a normal response, my friends. All right, guys, we have definitely dived into sleep. If you guys have any questions, any comments, you can always reach out to me, info at denalilord.com. Otherwise, have an awesome rest of your day. I hope you guys have enjoyed this series. It was the basics, but again, sleep is one of the things that I am most passionate about. Looking forward to talking to you guys soon. Otherwise, I'm Denali. Until we talk again, thanks so much.